Welcome back to another episode of Keeping Up With Khalid. It has been a while. Um, I have to say it's been a busy couple of weeks, but an exciting couple of weeks. I hope everyone's been out there enjoying the FIFA World Cup. It's now coming to an end. I'm, however, going to hold off actually... Sorry. I'm going to hold off talking about the World Cup uh, too much because the grand final is tomorrow. And I want to do a separate podcast just doing my overall analysis of what's been going on and my thoughts and my opinions. But I thought it'd be best to wait until the end because I remember the last podcast that I did, if my memory serves me correctly, it was before the World Cup started. So I'll do another podcast sort of analyzing my thoughts, my experiences and just overall what I thought about the World Cup. But if you've been wondering where I have been, I actually took a trip to Beirut, Lebanon, uh, the last week. And what an amazing experience that was. Um, I didn't really anticipate much. Being a Western Sydney boy that grew up in Granville slash Guildford, went to Parramatta High School, so it was more like I've been surrounded by Lebanese people my whole life. Although I was surrounded by Lebanese people my whole life, they were Australian Lebanese people. So actually going to the source and going to Lebanon, it was quite a different experience. And uh, I was very grateful for everything that I experienced. And I didn't really anticipate to fall in love with the country uh, as much as I did whilst being there so a few things that i wanted to touch on was how amazingly beautiful lebanon is in terms of how beautiful the scenery is how beautiful the people are how amazing and mountainous the landscape is it was just mind-blowing and it was definitely something i didn't expect so when people used to explain to me that they were from the mountains or they were from the village even though I've been to Mauritius and I've been to many different countries, I didn't sort of expect to see what I did. So, you know, just as, as driving in, um, seeing the mountainous ranges and just having to drive up and down and around hills and valleys and just seeing the buildings and the structure and the history of the, um, the buildings that are there, the architecture, just everything it had so much soul it had so much history to it 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 was just amazing altogether um i will give you a sort of brief as what i was actually going there for i didn't go there for a holiday so i went there working with uh, my friend tony basher with the australia australasian soccer academy and our sort of purpose of being there was that we had a group of talented young Australian Lebanese background football players and we were going to take a, a team, a squad of about 30 people and take them out to Lebanon and play against the professional teams in their sort of age, age groups. So we had, uh, I think our youngest was about 14 and uh, it went all up, all the way up to about 20 years old and we had a very packed schedule so as you can imagine I didn't have that much time to do that much sightseeing although I did cramp in and sort of do as much as I could at the time 
when I was there. Um, but most of our days just were spent going from the breakfast to the bus to the football pitch, warming up the players, getting them prepared, um, playing a full game, and then warming up the second group of players, that, which was usually the youngest group went first, and then we went to the older group second, and again doing the same thing. By the end of it, we'd go back to the hotel. Um, we always had a plan to sort of, all right, when we're back to the hotel, we've had dinner and everyone's sort of going to bed and switching off, we'll be able to go out and see the town. But by the end of it, most of the days, we were just like completely wrecked. And we ended up calling it a night. But luckily for me, uh, my good friend Tony, his family lives in Lebanon. So we were staying in uh, Jebel, I think that's the word for mountain. So we were staying in the mountains, which was a little bit close, closer to Beirut. Um, but his family was predominantly from Zgharta. And excuse me if I'm not pronouncing this correctly, but I'm doing my best. So Zgharta is in the north and we drove up there. I think it was a total of, or while I was there, it was a total of about three times. And lucky for me, I was allowed, or not allowed, was given the opportunity to go and see my friend Tony's family. So he brought me to where his grandparents' uh, house was, um, the property that they owned, and then the building. And it was much like my experience in Mauritius. And that was the fact that you have sort of a building. And in that, within that building, you have multiple families that live on each level. So you sort of just have like a, the Basha block and then the whole one uncle living on one level and then so on and so forth. And it was about like five or six stories high. So lucky for me, I was sort of welcomed as another son, you could say. And I think that just goes to show that, you know, the mentality of the Lebanese people is just as they welcome you as their own. So I was treated like a son. And, you know, it's very culturally respectful to go to someone's house and they're just automatically, no matter whether they have nothing, the little that they have, they're going to come out and, and just serve you fruits or sweets or tea or coffee. And, oh my God, I lived off Lebanese coffee. Ahwa. Ahwa and kanafe and... Uh, Lahme Bajin and oh my god, the small Lebanese pizzas. They were serving it to us fresh for breakfast every single day. And I usually fast until, you know, around midday, one o'clock every day. But it was just so good and it was too good to, to say no to. So every day I was having like Lebanese pizzas for breakfast, freshly made omelets, just a buffet of food and, you know, everywhere you go to, People are going to bring you out food and, and just, you know, as a, as a welcome, open their doors to you. Even if they don't know you, they're just going to open their doors to you and, and give you food. <laughs> and I think that's a definite sign of, of love and expression of love. So going back, it was just such an amazing experience to meet his family, to meet his uncles, to meet his godmother, who's 92 or 93. God, she's still going strong and still had a smile on her face. But the one thing that I have to say and have to mention, and which is part of the reason that I came onto this podcast, was just to mention how grateful I am for this experience. But not only that, how grateful I am as an individual to have what I have. Little, 
seldom do we realize that our parents, if you're second or third generation, even first generation, our parents left our countries with an idea, with a prospect to create a better future for us. And we don't really reflect because, you know, I'm using myself as an example here. I was brought up, born and raised in Sydney, you know, Australia, if before, uh, prior to traveling, you know, Australia was just all I know. Australia is all that I've known growing up. And I never realized until I started to travel to see those people that were less fortunate than us. And it really opened your eyes and makes you realize that we are so lucky. We're absolutely I know you probably hear it from everyone and it sounds sort of cliche, but just going and, and witnessing that people have a lot less than us and usually they're a lot more happy. And you, you tend to think to yourself, how, how so? But uh, I guess it's just they have a really strong faith in, in God and a higher being and they just make do with what they have. And whatever little they do have, they just take that and use it as as a source of strength and make the most of it so being able to see people living with you know maybe maybe an hour electricity a day um randomly you know the electricity turned off lucky we were staying in a quite a nice hotel so when it did turn off it actually turned back on very quickly because they have backup generators and whatnot but if you're living out in the village, you, you don't have that luxury. And, you know, living off one hour electricity, I can't imagine what that would be like. Um, what else? There was just, there's so many things running through my mind that opened my eyes and almost brought me to a tear. I saw families living in a, you know, I could only describe it as like almost a five by five room with a gas, uh, you know, the little gas stoves that we take to the picnics. Um, and that's how they live, the whole family, just living in a small room. We drove past um, some of the Syrian refugee camps where they were just living in tents. And it, we were blessed with the weather. But usually this time of year, Lebanon has a very cold climate. And because it's so mountainous, it almost snows in some areas. So these guys were just living in tents and it just breaks your heart. It absolutely breaks your heart. And as much as you want to do and as much as you want to give, uh, I think the most, uh, what I realized was the most that you can do is obviously do what you can, but be grateful. Be grateful for everything that you have. Be grateful for everything that God or the, whatever you believe in has blessed you with. Um, every drop of water, every smile, every every opportunity you get to see your family, just everything as a whole, be grateful. Because I I left Doha, which is quite a you know luxurious place of the world or part of the world rather, and gone to Lebanon, and it sort of was like on either I either scale of the spectrum we have one place in the world which is only three hours away where you know they've really prepared well for the world cup and everything is extravagant and then traveled three hours away and seen people living in tents so again it was just a an amazing experience all up 
Um, but it did definitely open my eyes and bring me b back down to earth and allow me to even now being back in Doha still constantly remind myself that people are less fortunate and that I should be grateful for everything that I have. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. Um, I did catch something on the way back from Lebanon. Uh, I was on the plane and as we were declining to land in Doha, my ears just started to pop with this extreme pain and it was almost like a lot of pressure in my ears and I guess I was dealing with like a little ear infection but I've since then kicked it so it's another excuse that I'm going to use that I haven't done the podcast for a while but um yeah I'm trying to catch up with that but again like I said I'm going to do another one doing a recap of the World Cup and everything that I've experienced in my thoughts just a little mention to anybody with family overseas given the financial crisis and COVID and everything that's happened over there after having many conversations with people that are living in Lebanon, people have gone to working their normal 40 hours or 30 hours a week or whatever it is and earning um, an average of like 400 to 500 US a month, which is a decent amount in Lebanon uh, to get you by with your family and whatnot. Since the financial crisis, however, they're now earning 10% of that money. So if you were earning 500 US, you're now earning, doing exactly the same hours, doing exactly the same job, same role, but you're now earning $50 a month. How people are living off that is amazing. I have no words for it. But this is just a note to anybody, and not just in Lebanon, but in anywhere around the world. Check up on your family. Check up on your friends. Check up on everyone because... You don't know how hard they might be struggling. And we're so blessed in our countries that we are earning a good amount of money. There is a minimum wage that we're receiving and we have the ability to send a couple of hundred bucks every month and you do not have any idea how far that can, that can go. So just a shout out to everybody that has any family in any part of the world that's less fortunate than the western western world send some money give them a call do whatever you can if you can send clothes if you can send, i know there's a lot of uh, a lot of charity organizations doing this sort of thing but you know let's try with the the people that are closest to us and just try to do your bit because seeing the people struggle and what they go through has just been a real big eye opener and you know i just want to put a message out to everyone that if they can, just do your bit. Do your bit. It was a little bit of a rant, but um, I'm going to try to keep it a little bit short this time because it's almost time for prayer. It's almost prayer time, and it's almost time for the third round playoff. So, Croatia versus Morocco. Who have you got? <laughs> I'm, I'm still, I'm really banking on Morocco because they've really touched the heart and souls of everybody uh, during this World Cup. But again, I'm not going to talk too much World Cup here. Guys, uh, thank you for listening. If you don't know where to find me, it's at Alibocus Khaled on Instagram, Khaled Alibocus on Facebook. And you can now catch me on YouTube. The video is up. So keeping up with Khaled on YouTube. Until next, next time, guys, peace and love you all.